you are getting uh, for the first time uh, an announcement concerning something that's uh, going to be hosted here at Gracie Van in February, February the 5th and the 6th. If you couldn't figure that out, let me, uh, let me help you. It is a conference um, over the issue of the definition of marriage, as you know, became quite a hot and burning issue this summer um, as a result of the Supreme Court. Actually, it's been a hot and burning issue for quite a while, but the woman who will be speaking, Rosario Butterfield, if that name's unfamiliar, I, I, I encourage you to go uh, Google her. She was a professor at Syracuse University. She was, has a PhD. She was um, the chairman of a department called Queer Theory. Uh, she was a lesbian herself and in a relationship for years, and she, through this um, relationship with a, a, a pastor and his wife, became a Christian. And she has become the, at least in my world, she's become the spokesman for, um, <clears throat> I'll call it my view of marriage, I can't speak for you, but she certainly is the spokesman for my, my view of marriage, that being uh, one woman, one man, no spares. Or maybe I should say one female, one male, and no spares. So that's going to be here, and uh, we fully expect it to be um, somewhat controversial uh, in our community and are, are trying to prepare ourselves for that controversy, but uh, nonetheless, she will be here. It started out as a, as a women's conference, and uh, because the subject has become such a burning one in our culture, we've broadened it to everybody. So uh, you might want to put that down right now, uh, early on, February 5 and 6. It's a Friday night and a Saturday. Um, you bring your, your, your teenage kids, you bring mom and daddy, you bring your grandparents and your neighbors. And uh, this woman, guys, is brilliant. She's brilliant. I read her first book when I was first introduced to her about four years ago, and I was in India in the back of a car being transported to the compound where I was speaking. And as I read it each morning, I wept. I remember getting pulled over by the police in India. I wasn't driving. I was in the back seat. The guy got pulled over. And I'm in the back seat with the, with the police looking in the window, and I'm weeping uh, while I'm reading her book, uh, The Confessions of an Unlikely Convert. That's her first book. She's got a second one out now. But if you're, if you're interested... And you want something that is really stimulating. It's out there. It's, uh, it's available to you. Buy one. Read it. But if, um, if not that, I hope you'll be with us on the 5th and the 6th of February. Now, uh, grab your Bibles and open them to John chapter 6. And, and while you're turning, I'd like to take a, just a quick minute of um, personal privilege. I, I do this because I hope it will help you should something happen. Um, guys, I am, I am an aging man, and I'm, um, I'll be 68 in January, and as you know, things just don't work as efficiently, and things break down, and, and um, my latest breakdown is I have an um, unruly blood vessel uh, <clears throat> that happens to be in my nose. So um, should uh, it become unruly, um, I'll step aside. I've been to the doctor. I do not have leukemia, and I do not have high blood pressure. 
I just have this unruly blood vessel um, that it's sensitive to allergies and this is the allergy season for me and, and I sneeze a lot and uh, uh, so, so if anything happens I'm going to step away and uh, hopefully be back. So there you go. <clears throat> now um, I, I'm going to read you a portion of John 6 but before I do, do you know, do you know how wonderfully significant is John 6. I mean, there are, there are a few chapters, you know, a dozen or so that, I mean, people that just stand out as, as hugely significant um, portions of the scripture. John 6 is one of those passages. Um, you know, it starts with the feeding of the 5,000 and then it goes from there to Jesus walking on the water. And then you get this whole dialogue um, between him and his opponents that, that starts in verse 22 and And then it closes with these enormous statements about um, um, God drawing people to the the Savior. It's it's a rich, rich chapter, and I'm going to read you a portion out of it, 10 or 11 verses. And I'm going to start in the middle of a a paragraph. That's not the way to study your Bible, ladies and gentlemen. Don't do this at home. Uh, I'm a professional. Um, But I I, I don't recommend you doing this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to start in verse 48 and read through verse 58, so you follow as I read. It reads like this. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your father ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God, ladies and gentlemen, it lives on forever. Hey guys, it it probably would surprise you, I bet, um, if you were to to take a look at this, at, at how much the Bible, how frequently the Bible talks about things concerning food and meals and eating The whole redemptive story starts in Genesis chapter 3. It starts with instructions as to how one should eat and what he should not eat. And so sin enters and wrecks all of created, the the whole of created order because Adam and Eve ate wrongly. And then you come to the other end of the Bible, you come to Revelation chapter 19, 
And the redemptive story closes um, with a meal, the wedding feast of the Lamb. And there's a sense in which, ladies and gentlemen, the redemptive story starts and ends over something eaten, where a meal is being had, where food is in the backdrop. It's, it's, a, it's a frequent <coughs> conversation piece in the Bible. You find it, uh, go back to the book of Genesis. There are the last 11 chapters of the book of Genesis is about what? It's about a, a crisis created by having no food. The famine, of course, the storyline has to do with Joseph and, and his, uh, his role of a, as a uh, Christ type in that story. But the thing that prompted it all is the absence of food. You, um, you go, and that's 11 chapters of the book. You go to the book of Exodus, and then um, Israel is being set free from her bondage, her spiritual bondage. Where? When? Well, it was right after a, a meal, a, um, a Passover meal. You come in the New Testament, and Jesus ends his life, the last night of his life. What is he doing? Having a meal with the 12 in the upper room. Um, it's, um, it's all over the book. This frequent mention of food or eating or meals or something like that. But you know, guys, uh, that should just fit right in with us because we talk about that subject all the time. Um, I am sitting down with... Susie, my wife, for, for breakfast, and I ask her, um, what are we going to do for supper? I haven't, even, I haven't even finished my breakfast, and I'm wondering about supper. Um, we're invited to parties, and you do know that your parties are good or bad based on what you serve. I mean, people leave saying, well, that was a good party because of those shrimp. Uh, it's, uh, it's the size of the shrimp, ladies and gentlemen, that makes a party good or bad. You know that, don't you? It's, it's, it's the food. And then, of course, we all have our, our favorite restaurants that we love to tell people about. Um, you know, mine's Erling Jensen's. Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe Texas de Brazil, where every time I go there, I, I walk out meat drunk. <laughs> and that's it. But we all talk about our, our, the restaurants that we love and we don't like and where we've been and what we did, you know. And for some of us, um, cooking has become a downright art form. Um, the, 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 um, the cable channels offer all of this TV programming, but the only thing we like to watch is the food channel because the thing, the only really thing that really, really, in, you know, entices us is the food channel to learn how we can eat better. And then of course there's dieting. I mean, uh, I mean, we're either on a diet or just quit a diet or just failed a diet or just starting a new diet. It is not a matter of whether we're on one. It's a matter of which one we're on. And, of course, there's all these eating disorders. you got gluttony. you got bulimia. you got anorexia. It's just a, a, a frequent subject of conversation. And so... The Bible takes advantage of this. Jesus takes advantage. And he, and he says, in verse 48, he says, 
I'm the bread. <laughs> um, not only that, I'm the bread from heaven. And not only that, I'm living bread. You know, not like that manna those, when, those, when that your fathers ate back in the Old Testament. You know, those guys are dead. Not like that. No, 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 no. I am living bread. And he who eats me will live and I'll raise him up the last day. Let me say it like this. We have a sumptuous Savior. (laughs) A Savior who invites us to eat him. How about that? Now, guys, I I think you know, or I think many of you know, that we have been criticized. Christianity has been criticized for centuries, uh, suggesting that we're cannibals. That's not, that's not, there's no request or invitation to eat him literally. But the, um, the invitation is for us to take him in. And as we do, he's absorbed. You know, the the word that I've used so much about my relationship with Jesus Christ is the word intimacy, but even that word falls a bit short. The better word, I think, is absorption. I eat him, and he becomes a part of my molecular and cellular makeup. Guys, this passage, um, in all of its profundity, and I'm just scratching the surface, but this passage is not about cannibalism. The point of the passage is he is inviting us to find our satisfaction in him. And oh, how we have sought to find our satisfaction elsewhere, have we not? We've tried money, we've tried beauty, we've tried sex, we've tried family, we've tried corporate success. And you know what? All of it has left us. So, the Son of Man steps into this audience and he says, Eat me. Find your satisfaction in me. Instead of running around on some kind of starvation diet of success and sex and women and beauty and success. Instead of all that, find your satisfaction in me. Now, guys, real quickly, this sacrament calls you to satisfy the ache of the soul. 
in the one who is the living and the true bread, symbolized by this real bread. This is not Jesus. It just symbolizes the one in whom satisfaction is found. And then think of this, ladies and gentlemen. I love this. The death and the cross of Jesus Christ satisfied the Father. And the life of Jesus Christ satisfied the law. And by faith, both the Father and the Son are satisfied in me. (laughs) Or satisfied with me. So my dear friend, come. Come eat living bread. Come eat the bread which has come down from heaven. The only bread. You hear me? The only bread that will ever satisfy the ache of your soul. Let's pray. Our Father, I do pray that you would meet us here, that this, um, that this sacrament will be something that will remind us of the things that are, that are oh so everlastingly important, that you would remind us that that, that, that growl in our soul, that emptiness in our soul, it can only be addressed one way, and we've tried to, we've tried to quiet the growl in many ways, but there's only one way. Through the bread of heaven, the living bread, the one that's come down. And when we eat him, the soul quiets down. Would you meet us here, Father, for the sake of Jesus Christ, we ask it.